0: Welcome to this week's episode of Weekly Devotions with Pastor James. My name is James, and it's so good to have you today. Hey, if you haven't uh, subscribed yet, please do so. Uh, It's a great encouragement to us. You can subscribe, uh, hit the like button on this podcast. If you'd share it with your friends and your family, Uh, that would be absolutely a blessing to us. And you could go over to guardingthewell.com as well. Uh, That's our website, and uh, a couple features over there for you. If you haven't checked it out yet, you could connect with us, send us an email with any questions or feedback or anything along those lines. We'd love to hear from you. You could check out the podcast over there, the bookstore, uh, two books that I've written. You could uh, check those out, purchase them there. And we also have a blog over there that you could uh, read. We post a blog every week, every Wednesday, uh, just like with our episodes. And so you can connect with us over there and uh, would love to hear from you. And uh, hopefully you could uh, connect with us. And uh, with that said. Then my question for you this week is this, as we're starting a new year, getting into uh the middle of January as you know middle of January as I'm recording this episode, and so let me ask you this question: How was your fire? with the Lord. And what I mean with that is, what's your fire? Are, are you excited for the, the Lord, burning uh, right brightly and rightly for the Lord? Is there a fire, and excitement, a passion, and joy, a desire within your heart, within your walk with the Lord, in your service with the Lord, or for the Lord? Um, growing up, I was a Boy Scout. And I spent a lot of times in the woods, a lot of time. I wish I could get back to doing that, but uh, four kids and a lot of different responsibilities. I don't get out into the woods camping as much as I used to. And let's face it, I'm older. Um, I'm over 40. I'm not... I have no desire to sleep on a cold ground with tree roots and rocks sticking into my back like I used to. Um, but when I was a Boy Scout, we learned a lot of different things. And one of the things we learned about was fire. I can remember the one time we were out camping and one of the, the leaders had, if you've ever been camping in, in like a, a, a state forest or something along those lines, they usually have like those metal fire rings around the fire for the fire pit. Well, he had that fire so hot that that metal ring was glowing. I still could vividly remember the the picture in my head of him taking a stick and touching it to the outside of this metal ring. And as soon as the stick touched that ring, it lit on fire. That's how hot this thing was. And so we learned how to start fires. We learned how to uh, keep fires going, like to stoke it, to fan it. Because if you don't know, fire needs two main things. A fuel source, so wood, coal, you know, something along those lines. But it also needs oxygen. Uh, A fire needs air so that it could you know, last and and burn hotter and brighter and things along those lines. And so we learned how to tend a fire, stoke a fire, fan the fire, if you would. And the other thing we learned how to do is to put a fire out because you have to put a fire out the right way. And to do that, what you do is you, you separate the coals so that they're not, up against each other, keeping each other lit and burning. And then you suffocate the fire. And you could do that in uh, many different ways. You could use sand, you could use dirt, you could use water, you could use specialized blankets and things along those lines. And so you, you, you suffocate the fire. And I was thinking about that in light of something I read in 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul writes this to Timothy in verse 6. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And I read that and my mind went back to, um, you know, thinking about a fire and keeping it going and, and putting it out and everything. And, and one of the things that popped up in my head and what I want to share with you right now is this. As you and I uh, go through life, uh, what life does to us and the choices that you make in life, it's going to do one of two things with your walk and your service of Jesus life and the choices you make every day, it's either going to stoke your fire or suffocate your fire. It's either going to stoke your walk with the Lord or suffocate your walk with the Lord. And that is something that we really need to think about. And so when I ask you how your fire is, it's what I'm asking. Is your fire, your walk with the Lord, being stoked? Is it being built up? Is it getting fanned? Is it getting healthier and stronger and brighter? Or... Is your walk with the Lord being suffocated by life and the things of life? Paul is talking to Timothy here, and you know they, they had a great relationship. Paul actually calls Timothy his dear son. Uh, they had that type of, of relationship, and we could get into that in another uh, podcast. But one of the th- things that Paul does in not just Second Timothy but First Timothy is is he reminds Timothy to be bold. He keeps telling Timothy, be bold, stand firm, be strong, don't let anybody look down on you because of your your age. And and it's just one of the things Paul keeps telling Timothy. And as I thought about that, I'm like, well, why would you need to tell someone to be bold? Well, you would need to tell somebody to be bold or strong or firm if they weren't doing those things. And I honestly think that Timothy was struggling. I think Timothy was struggling in his life. He was, a, he was a young guy. A lot of people put him around 25, 30 years of age. And so I think Timothy was struggling. And because of that, Paul is encouraging him, reminding him to fan into flame the gift that God has given to him. And I think Paul is telling Timothy like, okay, Timothy, it's time for you to stoke the fire with your walk with the Lord to strengthen it. Like, let's build this fire, uh, your desire, your passion for the Lord. Let's build that up. Let's stoke it like you would do with a fire. But I think Timothy was struggling in life. And I think he was struggling in two areas. And maybe this can relate to you. And we'll come back to this this idea in in a moment. But I think Timothy was struggling in two areas. I think Timothy was struggling personally and professionally. And what I mean by that is this. I think Timothy might have been struggling personally, and since Timothy was a young guy, um, I think this may have played a role in his life. Timothy had been away from home for a couple of years. He He's in Ephesus when uh, Paul writes this letter to him. He's pastoring the church, which we'll come back to in a, in a moment. But he's been away from home for a while. Maybe that weighed on him. Maybe as a son he felt he needed to be home to take care of his mom if she was still alive. Or maybe Timothy felt the weight of not being married. Um, you know, in the Jewish culture, you're to be married. Maybe he is feeling the weight, maybe the, the loneliness of not being married, or perhaps Timothy felt the weight of being married and working on his marriage. If you're married or single, maybe you could relate to that, like not being married, or if you are married, just the work that goes into, into your marriage. We also know from 1 Timothy, chapter, uh, 1 Timothy that uh, he struggled with stomach issues. If you've ever had, um, maybe you're a person that worries a lot. If you you are, you know that stomach issues come from that. Maybe that's, maybe Timothy worried a lot. Maybe that was just his uh, personality. Or maybe he just had a chronic health issue with his stomach. Do you have a chronic health issue? I, I know a lot of people have chronic health issues. And when you have a chronic health issue it weighs on you. It's like, Lord, can't you heal me? Why won't you heal me? And you, you just get tired of the daily battle with that health issue. And maybe that was weighing on Timothy. There's a good chance that Timothy felt alone, right? If people are looking down on him because of his age, maybe he's not married. He's in a different city. Maybe he's lonely. And I'll let you in on a secret. Being a pastor is a very lonely job, and people don't realize that. It's actually a very, very lonely job. And so you have all these things thrown in the mix personally that Timothy, I think, is struggling with. But I think there's one more thing that he is struggling with personally. When Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul is actually sitting in jail, and he's on death row. And everybody knows it. Paul knows it. Timothy knows it. And so Timothy is sitting there going, man, my father figure, if you will, is sitting in jail, and he's going to be put to death at any time now. And you feel the weight of that. And when you look at Timothy personally, you could see why perhaps he's struggling because all these personal things that are going on in his life. But I think Timothy also struggled professionally. Timothy is pastoring many people. Most likely, Timothy is not pastoring just one singular church. There's a very good chance that Timothy is overseeing uh, many churches throughout the region. And I know a lot of people think pastoring is an easy job, and I'll be honest with you. In some ways, pastoring is easy. There's a lot of jobs that I've had in my life that are more physically demanding than pastoring a a church but I haven't had a job that is more mentally, emotionally, and spiritually uh, challenging and tiring than pastoring a church. And people don't realize that. I'll give you an example. I started physical therapy uh, for my knees a couple weeks back, and one of the, my first class, my first lesson, if you would, is uh, I had a young lady, she's in in her early 20s, I think early mid-20s, Um, And first time there, so she is asking questions, trying to get to know me. And she goes, so what do you do? And as a pastor, you never know how to answer that question. It's not that you're ashamed because you're a pastor. It's if you say, well, I'm a pastor, a lot of times it ends the conversation right then and there. And like like walls are put up. And so I immediately thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with it. And I go, I'm a pastor. And she looked at me and in a nice way, she goes, well, what do you do then? She wasn't, you know, trying to be joking or, you know, snarky or anything along those lines. She, you could tell she was just trying to, to learn. She's like, well, what do you do during the week? Like, do you just have mass service on Sunday? And that's just about it. And so I told her how I've been called to do counseling. I've gone to people's homes or have had meetings with people uh, individually, like one-on-one counseling or marriage counseling I've done. I told her how there's been times where I've been called out of my home at all hours of the day and night to uh, talk to people who are thinking about uh, suicide. There's been times where I've been called out of my house to go to hospitals uh, because people are passing away. Uh, there's been times where I've gone to homes and the deceased is still in the home um, and says meeting family and doing f- things like that. And uh, she goes, I didn't know pastors did things like that. And she goes, I just thought you like just did the service and that was it. And there's a lot behind the scenes, if you will. And so Timothy, on the professional level, he he's sitting there. He didn't, and what he's getting from dozens of people is, "Hey Timothy, what does Jesus say about this? What am I supposed to do with my wife? What am I supposed to do with my husband? My kid's not listening to me. What do I do do about that?" And it's all those types of things that every single day he feels the weight of, and and he's struggling. But not only that, the persecution of the Christians was in full swing at this time. Emperor Nero, he was crazy and corrupt, but he lit Rome on fire about 64 AD. And surprisingly, I say that sarcastically, uh, the people of Rome were not happy about that. And so he blamed the Christians for it. And when he did that, the persecution against the church, against the Christians skyrocketed. And so imagine being a pastor of a church, and you're trying to get people to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to tell other people about Jesus. But at the same time, you have Christians being arrested, tied to poles, and lit on fire to be street lights, Or you have Christians being arrested and stuffed into the carcass of a dead animal and have that skin sewed back together, and then have them fed to lions and wild dogs for sport, for the Christian to be eaten alive. How do you lead a church in that environment? How do you get people to put their faith and their trust in Jesus when there is a danger of being lit on fire or eaten alive? Like there's a lot of pressure in that, that we don't realize. And so you see why Timothy might be struggling and you could see why Paul is writing to Timothy to strengthen him and to tell him to be bold. And so, let me ask you this. How is your fire for the Lord? You see, life and the choices that you make in life, in light of life, is going to stoke this fire or suffocate it. Think about it. Inflation, sicknesses, death, all those things try to suffocate your walk with the Lord, cause you to worry, cause you to doubt. Maybe marriage issues is suffocating your walk with the Lord. Maybe school issues are suffocating your walk with the Lord. Maybe your job and the work issues that you come across at work are trying to suffocate your your job. Maybe the culture in which we live. You know, the culture in which we live, it pushes us to be so busy, culture tells us that if you're not doing something every single minute of the day, you're not successful. And that goes for our kids as well. Uh, The kids have to be in everything. We have to run kids everywhere all the time. The kids have to be in 14 different things and doing homework at nine o'clock at night. Can I be honest with you? I've been doing youth ministry just for just over 20 years now. Kids are tired. Teenagers are tired. It's too much for them. But that's the culture. Our culture. Uh, just because of life and everything that comes with it, trying to suffocate your walk with Jesus. It really and truly is. And so what you and I need to do is we need to fan into flame this gift, this walk that we have with the Lord. And you see, when you fan a fire... What you're trying to do is you're trying to get the fire to grow. You're trying to get it to be stronger and brighter and hotter. And so you're giving it air. You're giving it a fuel source. You're feeding it so that fire would not grow out. And I want you to get this. When it comes to a fire, if you just sit there and do nothing to that fire that's in that fire pit, guess what's going to happen? It's going to go out. It's going to die and you're going to you're going to be cold and you're not going to be have any fire there in order for you to have that fire growing and hot and benefiting you you have to work at it you can't be you know sit around and be passive about it but you have to tend that fire. You have to fan that fire. And that is what you and I need to do with our faith and our gift that God has given us. What well, you need to do at your walk with Jesus. You can't just sit there and wait for God or the pastor or somebody else to come alongside of you and to cause your fire in the Lord to grow. It doesn't work like that. You cannot be passive with your walk with the Lord. You have to do the work and fan the flame of the gift that God has given you. Well, how do we do that? How do we fan the, the gift that God has given us? And he's he referring to spiritual gifts there. But we'll just say this in a, in a general sense. How do we fan our walk with the Lord? How do we do it? Well, I'll give you two things. And the first thing is this. You need to know what God has given you. And what I mean by that is this. You need to know what God has given you in the sense of the gift that he has given you. For every person in Christ, God has gifted you. He's given you an enablement, uh, an ability to do that which he is asking you to do. And it's a gift that he's given you. He's equipped you. And so you need to know what God has given you. And Paul tells us in verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. And so what Paul tells us there is, Timothy, you need to know that God has given you power, not fear. As a pastor, I'm told by people so much that, you know, I can't do that. I I just can't do that or this or, you know, anything in between. And a lot of times that comes because they're afraid. They're afraid that they're not doing a good enough job. They're afraid that uh, they're going to mess up. Well, guess what? That fear does not come from God. It actually comes from Satan. God has given you power. He's given you a spirit of power that you you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in a faith and a trust in God, God is going to do what He wants to do through you. There's a power in that, not because of you or I, but because of the God that saved you, the God that lives in you. God has not given you fear, but he's given you power, and so you need to stop walking in fear, and you need to fan the flame of your walk with the Lord by knowing that God has given you a spiritual gift. He's given you power from and by the Holy Spirit. He also says he's given you a spirit of love, that you can love God and love others because of the work that God has done in you. And he's also given you a spirit of of self-discipline, and that word there means a clear mind, a calm mind in the midst of like a, a, a craziness. But it's that word discipline that got me thinking. See, in order for you to fan the flame that God of your walk with the Lord, you need to know what God has given you. That could be promises. That could be the gift that God has given you. But the other side of the question, the, the coin is this in order for you to fan the flame of what God has given you, you have to use it. You have to develop it. And for maybe for you, you need to start taking the next step in your walk with the Lord. Maybe it's daily reading. Maybe it's daily prayer is the next step for you. Maybe for you, it's for you to to start a ministry at your local church or get involved in something. Maybe go get involved in more community. Maybe it is to uh, lead or to teach something in the church, and you need to talk to your pastor about it. Maybe you need to start something. Maybe you need to step out in faith. Maybe you need to give more. Maybe it is your next step is to talk to people about Jesus in your daily life and to build relationships with people. It's taking that next step to grow on your walk, and, and that is developing what God has given you. You can't just sit back and be passive about it. God has given you stuff that you need in your life but when we don't know about it and when we don't develop it it causes our fire to go out so let me ask you how's your fire in in the Lord how's your fire for the Lord if you want to grow that fire know what God has given you and put the work in to develop it because when you do those two things You're going to be fanning the flame of the fire of the Lord within you. And Jesus is going to become more real in your life. And you're going to be walking with him closer and closer every single day of your life. And so I would encourage you today to start fanning the flame of the fire that is within you for Jesus. By knowing what he has given to you and developing it for his glory. And in the end, it will also be for your benefit. Pray that that is a blessing to you today. And uh, if you need, let us know anything, questions, comments, and you could connect with us at guardingthewell.com. You have a great day. Take care.